Week one is in the books. The Chiefs did not tame those lines like you had hoped, but they did make some progress in some areas. What do they do to regroup? What's the answer tonight? We are live post-game with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. That means your team every day or night like we are now. We are live on YouTube, so you can like, sub, and hit that bell right there. You can get it on the free platforms on Spotify and on Apple and everywhere else you can get an audio platform. You have to go to ChiefsDigest.com to get mad, Derek, because that's where he works. It's just the way that it happens. He only shows up here post-game and on Wednesdays, so we appreciate that. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com and RGR Football. This is Chris Clark, the man behind Chiefs Corner. We are set to go because... I thought they were going to pull this ball game out, Matt, but in the end, there was just not enough offensive firepower, in my opinion, for them to keep up with, of all teams, the Detroit Lions. Is that how you see it? Yeah, by and large. I mean, I, I thought that they were the Chiefs were always going to pull this one out, too. I mean, it just seemed like even in, until the final two minutes that this was a game that this team can normally pull out. Um, but tonight, it was just it was just too many mistakes in, in all three phases, and and I'm not going to put as much blame on on the defense as, as the other phases. I think I think that's, that's you know there was one special teams miscue, obviously not a huge one, but you can give up a, a you know a conversion on a fourth down on a fake punt that hurts. Um, offensively is where most of the mistakes were, and the defensive guys will tell you that they could have done better. But I still say giving up 14 points to this offense without Chris Jones and Charles Minnehue is a solid performance. So. I can't fault them a lot, um, but everybody in that locker room was was basically pointing the finger at themselves and saying that this was a reality check. Uh, they can't let it happen again, and they, they've got to look at the tape and learn from this. But they all felt like there was individually that everybody owned a piece of this, although I think that there's obviously larger ownership to individual areas than, than any, you know, maybe some other areas. I have to say I agree. I think that you look at the defense and any time the defense allows 14 points, this Chiefs team should win. And quite frankly, they should probably win by double digits. Uh, their offense is good enough. They should be able to win. Uh, it was unacceptable on the offensive side of the ball tonight. And, uh, you know, the special teams miscue, I, yeah, it stinks that they allowed for a fake punt. But how many teams are going to run a fake punt from your own 20-yard 20, 20 line? Uh, I'm not saying that makes it right. But uh, – a little bit of a situation where you probably don't expect it. Um, but, you know, the team, the defense definitely played well enough tonight to win. And they played well enough tonight to win without Chris Jones. And they were able to stop a very good offense. We'll see if Detroit is as good as they were last year, but they were the number four offense in the NFL last year. I, I got to tell you, Matt, the, the offense, the, the defenses up against that offense, I think was fine for me. It comes down to if you can hold your own on the offensive side, the play of the game remains for me. The Trent McDuffie forced fumble. I thought that was what turned the tide in the first half and would have sustained it. Nice to see the Fab Five, the young secondary guys coming together. I thought Brian Cook played well. Um, I, I know it's all about the defensive front right now, but for a team that is pasting together a lot of youth in the secondary, I thought they held up pretty dang well. Uh, did you see anything different that I missed? No, I mean, I I think you're right. I mean, you know, this was the the blueprint defensively 
that this team has to use in order to, to win games without Chris Jones. Um, they blitzed an awful lot. Um, I don't know where the final percentage ended up being. I know at one point it was around 40% that they were blitzing Jared Goff, um, but they were getting pressure. I mean, he didn't have a ton of time to throw, um, even with the play action slowing them down at times. I mean, I think that they did a, did a good job of reading that and not making a lot of mistakes. There were some leaks in the zone coverage. There's no doubt about that. And, and the Lions did a really good job of exploiting and attacking that. But by and large, they were getting some pressure on the quarterback, even while, while blitzing, um, especially while blitzing. There was a few openings that, that Goff took advantage of, um, probably because of the blitzes. You know, the, there, were some, there were some windows there, and he took advantage of that and did a good job with it. Um, but, you know, I thought for all of the elements individually, yeah, I mean, I, I think this defense played pretty well. Um, once again, 14 points that this defense gives up should be enough to win. And uh, did a really good job in the first half across the board, especially on third downs. Everything was a little bit leakier in the second half. And, and that's one of the things that Nick Bolton pointed to in his postgame press conference was just talking about, you know, too many extra yards after contact. You know, there were some struggles with tackling and just getting some guys down, especially in the run game. You know, you give up 128 yards. That's not terrible, but, you know, they felt like it should have been a lot less than that. So, you know, was it a perfect defensive performance? No. But was it good enough to win? Absolutely. I mean, for this offense, it should be. Can't disagree with anything you just said. And I think that it's, you start looking at what she's, what the Chiefs defense did overall. And, you know, Nick Bolton, I think sometime in the second in the second quarter, I saw him come out for a series. I, I was wondering if he was injured. But looked like they went with Tranquil and Gay, and, and they were able to get him the line stop. So, this defense is going to have a lot of different pieces that it can move in and out. And I, I'm sure they got gas at the, at the very end of the game. From what I saw though, and, and you guys can both correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Legereus Snead play every single snap? I mean, it seemed like he was out there and for him not to play in the past couple of weeks and to come out there and do what he did, that's impressive. Uh, and I do think that it's something that, you know, he'll get better as the season goes on. There's one specific play where he let them, you know, get some yards after the catch that really hurt. But I thought overall the defense looked really good at times. Most of the time, actually. Yeah, the like I said, I mean, I think in the secondary especially, it was probably one of those games where everybody had one play that they liked to have back. You know, Justin Reed, I think, had one of those. Brian Cook had one of those. Um, but it wasn't a poor performance. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty strong performance overall. Um, individually, you can nitpick here and there. I mean, everybody had a little bit rough moment, but I, I, once again, I circle back collectively, you look at the underlying stats and, and I think that by and large, this is a defensive performance against this offense that you would typically take. So I really can't fault the defense and I, there's room for improvement. Sure. And, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, I think will tell us that, you know, next week. Um, but by and large, I mean, I, I I don't think there's anybody on the, the defensive side that I would individually point to and say, this guy had a bad game, and that's why the defense, you know, didn't get a job done maybe when they needed to in a couple of moments. I, I think we have a lot of positives to, to point at, and we can come back to that later in the show. We're also going to talk about what happened in the offense in the second half. How did it sputter? And then right after this, we're going to talk about the number one thing that I think led to this loss and actually is something to be concerned about in this huge group of seven wide receivers are drops really a problem right now but if i had been betting on this game the way i wanted to i would have lost because prize picks make stuff really simple you can get in there make your picks and get that entry done in 60 seconds 
but I had Patrick Mahomes going over 320 yards. That did not happen. And I would have been in the doghouse right now. The good thing was, if you do get your win, you get quick withdrawals, you get that easy gameplay, and you get enormous selection of players and stat types. So you can make your picks as you go through for the number daily, number one daily, daily fantasy sports app, even if you're trying to do it here at 1130 at night. But whether it's just Patrick or whether Justin Jefferson goes off for 100 yards, that's one of the other ones that I was picking this week, it does make life easier if you get involved with prize picks. And their weekly offers of promotions can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, where each Tuesday, uh, prize picks discounts each player's projections by 25% to provide you even more value. So shake up what you're looking to do. Shake up your way of going about getting in the action. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the code locked on NFL for your first deposit match for up to $100. All you got to do is go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Then use that code locked on NFL and your first deposit up to $100 will be matched. It's really super fun and it's easy and simple. It's the best daily fantasy sports and it's made easy over at prize picks. Check them out. The thing that we have to check out on uh, the offensive side of the ball is just exactly um, why the jugs machine seem to be broken. I, I'm not sure why that is. Uh, a lot of literal hand coordination issues. Clearly, we have to start with Kadarius Tony. He's had a very rough time since the conclusion of OTAs, Matt. Uh, looked good, put in all that work, couldn't be in camp, came back to practice, and by all accounts, I think even yours, looked pretty smooth out there at practice this week. But clearly... The hand coordination, just the number of passes he's caught, didn't have him prepared for tonight. Do, would you agree with that, or was there something else going on? No, I mean, it, it certainly looked like, you know, one of a couple of different things was happening. Either one, you know, you're right, you know, he, he has had a month layoff as far as just catching balls. Um, could be just a hands issue. Could be a timing issue. Um, could be a confidence issue. I mean, there's a few different things that it could be. Uh, it could have just been anxious, trying to make a play. You know, I think Andy Reid will tell you a lot of times those drops are just, you know, cases where, you know, a guy is trying to make a play before he squeezes it, before he puts it away. Uh, I think that happened a couple of times for sure. But that was, you know, I was having flashbacks to 2021 with Patrick Mahomes and some of the, the bad luck passes he had that year when I think there were, what, six or seven passes with 75% completion percentage chance that went for interceptions. And he had one of those tonight. I mean, that was an absolute catch, catchable ball that Kadarius Tony had and bobbled and, and turns it over. And that's that determines the ball game. But then again, Tony had a couple of other drops that were also ball game killers. Um, he hauls that one in on the final drive. I mean, that is absolutely puts the Chiefs in the field goal range for the winning game. Maybe even get into the end zone. I mean, that completely turns the game around. And he wasn't alone. Sky Moore had a really rough game, too. And that was the one that I, I did not see coming. Um, now these could be one-offs. I mean, with Tony, I mean, it's been a layoff for a while, you know, it could, that could certainly be just a case of just, he needs to get his timing and his rhythm down sky. That's, that's more problematic. I mean, you know, he did have one catch that got wiped away with the penalty, but you know, to have some of the drops that he had tonight, that's, that's, that's scary considering just how important I think he's going to be to this offense this year. I think he had well, one that actually got punched out, and I, I didn't put that on him. I, he could have secured it better, but I do think it was a good play by the defender as well. Yeah, and I agree with you on that one. I, I also will say I think, you know, Tony had that first ball bounce off his hands, go for the interception. Then he comes back and gets the ball down near the goal line on a, what was it, a second down and lost a yard. And you could tell he was frustrated. I definitely think he was pressing too much, uh, you know, throughout that game. 
And the one where him and, and Sky Moore are crossing, I mean, that's going to be a tough catch. You have two people that are going right in the same area where the ball is coming through. That's going to be tough. I'm not saying he shouldn't have caught it, but it was a rough night for him. But it wasn't just a rough night for him. Like you said, Sky Moore had a rough night. Uh, you know, the rest of the wide receivers overall, I think, played pretty good. Rasheed Rice had his first touchdown. He dropped a ball early. They went back to him and he had a touchdown. Noah Gray had a couple of missed catches that I think he should have had. So overall, I think that you have to feel pretty good about it, but too many drops, too many situations where they could have had, uh, you know, this game in hand easily. And if Travis Kelsey plays in this game, I don't think it's close personally. Well, and that's honestly, I mean, I, I think that the one thing that is, is the broader takeaway is that this is very well what this offense could look like without Travis Kelsey for an extended period of time. I mean, that's one of the things that you just have to accept and recognize. It's how important he is to this team. And, you know, and, and yeah, I get it. You know, the last time, really the only time that they had to play without Travis Kelsey, and you know, when he was on the COVID, COVID reserve list in 2021, and the offense still had a good day and Patrick Mahomes had a good day. Well, they prepared all week for not having potentially guys that set season in, in that particular case. This is a pretty good case of what this team could look like without Travis Kelsey. And that's scary to me because this offense, this team, I mean, no matter how good Patrick Mahomes is, this offense still runs through Travis Kelsey. And I think you saw tonight just how important he is. I, I think that leads to what you remarked on before, Matt, um, about the, the confidence factor for Tony. It felt like that was kind of spread across the whole receiver unit because of the, the lack of Travis. Like I, I know he's a tight end technically and all that, but he is the guy that leads the passing game. And it felt like, to me, from where I was sitting, obviously I wasn't in the stadium tonight, but it just felt like all the, the pass catchers, the rest of them, were all kind of looking at each other like, are you going to step up? Who's going to lead this? Who's going to be that guy that we can rely on? And I felt a couple of the veterans like MVS and Watson did a, a solid job when they were targeted, um, whether catching the ball or drawing penalty or whatever it was. But it didn't feel like anyone was ready to step out and, and claim that I'm the number one guy without trap. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that I think is going to be an ongoing issue is that, you know, is there truly a number one receiver on this team? Is there somebody that you can go to that when it's third and two, when it's third and eight, you know, that you can go to and know that that guy is going to catch the ball? Um, they don't have that guy right now. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes will tell you he has confidence in all these guys, but that's only half the battle. You know, they're going to have confidence in themselves, too. And and I'm not sure that, you know, one, that there's anybody on this team yet that's maybe put themselves in that alpha category to be able to say, yeah, you know what? Third and seven, throw me the ball because I'm going to get the first down. Um, and tonight it, it almost seemed offensively like there was an avalanche that it was just one little thing here and there all night long. Um, and and it, you almost got the sense that these guys were maybe looking at each other and just trying to think what, what, what could happen next? And when you get into that mindset, you kind of, you know, manifest what's going to happen. Um, there were mistakes across the board. I mean, you could point to everybody on the offense and say, hey, that guy made a mistake that proved critical to the game. That's, I mean, I, I think it's almost the exact opposite of what we were talking about defensively, um, where I, I can't point to anybody on the defensive side and say, hey, that guy, that guy cost this team the game. I think you can point on the offensive side to almost everybody and say everybody in, that, in this game had a moment that, probably, that could have cost them the game. Uh, whether it's receivers with the drops, whether it's, you know, offensive linemen with penalties or missed blocks. Uh, it was across the board. I mean, everybody had some bad snaps tonight. And I think even even Mahomes is 
I think he was pretty sharp for the most part, but I, I think he had some plays that he would want back as well. And, and given the amount of time that he had to throw tonight, that's, I think, the, the more disturbing thing and the more concerning thing long term is that there was plenty of time and they just weren't getting and hitting on the plays. And there was separation at times. I mean, there were certainly now there were some plays, obviously, that were coverage plays that the Lions took it away and forced Mahomes to scramble. And he had some struggles, but he also missed a couple of wide open receivers, you know, with either he just didn't see them or, you know, just the throw was off a tick. Now, maybe that's all, you know, one game coincidental. It could very well be that next week against Jacksonville, all of these little ticks, like Andy Reid likes to say, will go the other way. And maybe they're going to put 48 on the Jaguars. I don't know. But this was just a game where it seemed like nothing could go right for this offense consistently. Five for seven in the first half when passing the when dropping back to pass on third down. Zero for six in the second half. Zero for seven if you count fourth down. That's how you lose ball games. And until Kansas City figures out third down, but it's not just third down, it's third and short. It's those situations that you absolutely cannot miss more than 50% of the time and have a chance to win in the NFL on a regular basis. They beat themselves because they couldn't get the third and short plays. And for everything that Andy does well, that's the one area that he has struggled with consistently with Mahomes as his QB. And I don't know what the answer is because they don't seem to be able to find a way out of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I will go back, back to that, you know, the, the, the fourth and short, but they go ahead and decide to kick the field goal instead. I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, the, that the previous third down conversion wasn't playing in the back of anybody's mind and, and Andy Reid's mind and thinking, I can't go for it on fourth and short here because I don't have an offense that, is, has got the confidence to convert right now. Right. I mean, I, I I think that one play informed the other for sure. I have to think so. But there are some things that we can take away, whether not necessarily on the negative. There are some positives here as well, some performance that I think that we need to key on. So we know what to look for this week in practice. And as they look to make the rebound, we'll hit those coming up next. You have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair, no drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know that 8% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Men tired of weakening or thinning hair? Do you want to reach your full hair potential? Leading hair growth supplement Nutrafol helps improve your growth, hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 health professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Well, I certainly look for things to grow in the right direction starting tomorrow as they recoup from this particular 
uh, onslaught. I do want to take a couple moments. Matt, you hit on something last uh, segment that I, I really did like. I do think that you saw something from Mahomes, too. He needs to take a little piece of this on himself. Uh, I thought the accuracy was a little bit off tonight, particularly uh, he did flush them from some pockets that I thought were actually fairly solid. Um, a lot was made on the broadcast of Juwan Taylor and his alignment. But outside of that, and I agree with Mitch Schwartz, it, the refs are right on top of it. If it's a problem, they're going to call it. They didn't. So let's talk about what it actually is that it looked like. He's got Mahomes' cadence down, and he's able to get out of his stance in a way that I think right now shows you why the Chiefs brought him in. Are you happy with his performance? Do you think they've got to clean some things up? I mean, the only thing I wasn't sure about was just how how good he has picked up the cadence because I I get it. I mean, you know, I I I see. I guess I've just seen too many tackles around the league and, and their stances and the way that they line up that I'm not going to be concerned about them ever calling anybody in the backfield because they never call anybody in the backfield anymore. Um, but you know, I, I either either he really has Mahomes' cadence down in the snap countdown or he's a little a little fast. I mean, I thought all night long that he might be might be doing a false start. They finally called it for him when he had a, a really blatant one. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that at the same time, I mean, clearly he's he's a technician there as far as getting off the ball. And he's got quick feet. He's got a quick response, got quick reflexes, understands the cadence and everything. So I think you got that. And Donald Smith on the other side, too, I thought was pretty solid. I mean, you know, certainly looking at just the amount of time that Mahomes had to throw, the pressure, I mean, eventually you're going to get pressure. You know, that's that's just the given. I mean, you get that much time to throw, eventually the defense is going to get there. But, you know, Mahomes literally wasn't taking hard hits. Um, I thought the offensive line and pass protection for sure was was doing pretty well. I don't know if we really got enough of a read from, you know, running the football to really determine, you know, how, how they perform tonight because they just never really had a strong commitment to the run game. And, and there was a backfield by committee approach for sure. Let's see what happens going forward. But I thought overall the offensive line had a, had a fairly solid day. During the game, and I think it was late in the third quarter, or maybe early fourth, I saw somebody tweet out that Mahomes had 3.98 seconds to throw the ball. On average, I think golf was at two point three nine. And was it you that tweeted that? Somebody it was, tweeted I know, that. I know I tweeted that when I tweeted that was three point one <laughs> seconds, but like three point one six, I think. I could be wrong. For golf or for Mahomes? For Mahomes and, and golf at the time was like I think two point four nine. Okay. Well, at some point it was almost four seconds and it was late in the game. So my point is is that he had plenty of time to throw. I think the offensive line did fantastic. Donovan Smith, I think, played really well. And Jawan Taylor had one of the toughest assignments he's going to have most of the season. Aiden Hutchinson is a fantastic pass rusher. Uh, that is going to be one of the toughest assignments he's going to get. And Hutchinson made uh, Trey Smith look bad at times tonight, you know, going inside. So uh, I think overall the offensive line did really well. And you have to feel good about where Patrick was considering I don't think he – he didn't have a sack, did he? Now I'm thinking about it. Um Almost yeah, there wasn't there wasn't I don't think there was a sack and there was only like maybe three or four quarterback hits so overall yeah. fairly good protection. Yeah, Maybe somebody grabbed at his feet. Yeah, me too. I saw. Yeah, I was just thinking that was really close to a sack, but uh, you know, otherwise I thought it was done. He did really good uh, getting around in the pocket and getting out of the pocket to throw. But overall, the offensive line I think played really well. The only question that I'm going to have is when you move forward for Kansas City going forward, and this was a question that several people I saw ask. Uh, when Jawan Taylor sets up, you could tell if it's going to be a pass or a run, generally speaking. 
is that going to play into a situation where it's going to cause issues down the road? And again, I, I circle back to my comment earlier. I mean, I guess I have just seen so many tackles around the league doing it now that it's it doesn't phase me anymore. I mean, it's pretty common. I mean, you can you can pretty much tell a lot of the times the way the tackles are lined up, whether it's going to be a run or a pass. Um, the only thing that might throw you off is a little bit is you know on some of the the, the zone reads and everything, but um, an option option reads. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of a universal NFL thing right now with tackles. They they give things away. <laughs> That's putting it nicely. Uh, speaking of giving things away, they did give away one turnover. I thought McDuffie had a nice play. Cook combining with it. Those were two standouts. I thought uh, Coburn had a couple of nice uh, combos early. I was really happy, honestly, with the combination play of George Karloftis and Felix Anandike Ozama. I thought, in particular, a couple of times when they flipped them side to side, I thought that looked nearly as good. Um, that gives me a little bit of, of comfort about where this D-line is going to go without Chris Jones having him watching this ball game. Um, we should address the, the elephant in the room. Does this ball game, Matt, put you closer? Do you think this puts pressure more on Chris or more on the organization to try to get a deal agreed to? I mean, if, if I'm looking at this game, if I'm Brett Veach and I'm looking at this contest, I mean, I, I certainly am not going into the office tomorrow and saying we have to sign Chris Jones no matter what. I saw a defense give up 14 points. This this team should win this game. I mean, you give up 14 points to that offense as well as they were playing at the end of last year. Um, I, I that's a good thing to me. I mean, there was nothing about this game that said to me, good grief, the, the Chiefs are absolutely lost without Chris Jones. I mean, if anything, I'm I'm sitting here saying this Chiefs team's lost without Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the bigger takeaway. So if anybody should be demanding a raise, it might be Travis Kelsey that has the better case for it right now. Well, but, and funny you mention that, but I wonder if that plays into NFL draft plans next year, seeing how bad it was this game. I mean, you, you and I, Chris, have been on the same page for a while that, you know, this team needs to invest some draft resources in the tight end because eventually it's going to catch up with them. I mean, that's that's the position that this offense runs through. And without having a guy behind Kelsey that you really love and trust and can develop, and whether or not that's Noah Gray, I mean, I, I think that the question's still out there. Um, but – I mean, the, the bigger question, I think, for Chris and, you know, and the players who were asked about it that I, I, I saw asked about it in the locker room tonight were saying the right things, you know, as far as just saying that Chris was not in their mind. But, you know, the fact that he was here, the fact that, you know, he, he was at the Ronald McDonald house on, on Wednesday and that he was at the game in the suite on, on Thursday, I, I think at some point that's, that is absolutely going to resonate the wrong way in this organization about just where Chris is and his commitment to this team. And um, I, I mean, I don't know right now, nobody's going to say anything publicly, but I guess I, I'm, I'm, I, I, and I can't speak for people who are in that locker room because I haven't been an NFL player in an NFL locker room, but I just can't get away from it. The fact that it's got to be hard that, you know, after, after playing a game like this tonight, if you're a member of this team and you're a member of this defense and you're just thinking to yourself, you know what? If Chris was here, could have won this game maybe. And that's, I think that's, that's why I think there's going to be more pressure on Chris than there will be on the organization to get something done. It makes sense to me. There's a lot more fallout to come. We're going to be back. We're going to go through my notes next week. I'm going to give you the couple of plays that I never want to see again. Uh, and we'll check in with Matt later next week uh, if he agrees. I bet we have a couple in common. But is there last a QB sneak fake there, real quick? I just go ask: Is there a QB sneak fake in there? 
yeah, there probably is some kind of concept yeah. that way. But uh, we don't give out game balls for uh, losses, folks. But, Matt, if you had to pick a player of the game, the guy that stood out to you in the most positive way, who would it be? You know, I probably would lean on on one of the defensive guys, and it would probably either be Nick Bolton or Mike Dana. Um, I thought both of them had pretty solid games. Um, um, Bolton, obviously, you know, had a had a great play, almost come up with a sack, but it got the equivalent of a snack with the tripping penalty. He just absolutely bulldozed Montgomery into next week. Uh, but Mike Dana has a sack too, and I thought played pretty well, especially you know given how much that the Chiefs were moving him around and rotating him today. I agree, Chris. Who stood out for you? Hard to argue against Nick Bolton. I think he stood out when he was on defense uh, when he was in there. But I also have to give props to Trent McDuffie. I think Trent McDuffie played really well. I'm not going to say he didn't give up a reception or two. He did. Uh, every defensive player is going to give up some of those. But I thought he played really well. And he showed his willingness in the running game, which can be really huge for the defense down the road. Agreed. Uh, I was very happy not to say most of the safety's names. Reed had a play at the end, but I would agree. McDuffie was the guy for me as well. We'd like to know what you think. Who stood out to you? Leave your comments down in the YouTube section or on the Spotify reviews or the Apple reviews or wherever you want to review. Uh, this is your Friday episode. We will have more information for you. Um, injury reports, et cetera, as we come through. If you want to get in the know, you can hit the text line at 816-357-8781. Make sure that you go over to ChiefsDigest.com and read everything that Matt's going to break down for you tomorrow. In fact, he probably already has it done knowing him, so that's okay. Matt, thanks for your time post-game. It's getting late. It is a pleasure, guys. Take care, everybody, and hopefully we'll be talking about a win next week. Knock on wood. Everyone, enjoy your Friday. Lick the wounds, and we'll be back to tell you about it next time. We appreciate your time being with us today, and we'll talk to you then.